My hope for us this morning is that we would build a desire, but then also ignite an expectation for the pouring out of the Spirit. Yes, today we celebrate what would be Pentecost. Um, and so the early disciples, as we heard last week, were told by Jesus to go and wait for this pouring out of the Spirit. Uh, and after 40 days of Jesus having been raised from the dead, this moment arrives when He finally pours out His Spirit. And so when I say that our, our desire is to, to have an expectation for the Spirit, I'm, I'm also aware that some of us have had weird experiences from the past and perhaps are going, that's all right, I'm not really interested in that. And you may have some very justified reservations. And so I do want to, I do want to affirm that, but then also to say, God, would you help us to see the Holy Spirit in the way that you think we should? Would you reveal the Holy Spirit in the way that you have through the Scriptures? And some of us perhaps have desired for this pouring out of the Spirit over many years, and you're still waiting. And so I want to also say, would this be a moment where our expectation and our desire is rekindled, and we're expectant again for the Holy Spirit to move and to be poured out. Mm. So let us start with the words of Jesus. That's the best place <laughs> to start for us. Uh, and we want to see what He has to say. And so from John, He says on the last day of the festival, which was the festival of booths, the great day while Jesus was standing there, He cried out, Let anyone who is thirsty come to me, and let the one who believes in me drink. As the scripture has said, Out of the believer's heart shall flow rivers of living water. Now He said this about the Spirit, which believers in him were to receive, for as yet there was no spirit, because Jesus was not yet glorified. And so what Jesus says there is, for those who are thirsty, he says, come to me. He says, come to me. And the important thing for us to remember is that we don't seek the power, we seek the person. We don't seek the power of Jesus. Jesus says, if you're thirsty, he doesn't say, if you're thirsty, come to me and receive power. He says, if you're thirsty, come to me. He's the point of the thirst. Jesus is the end goal of our thirsting. And so it's important for us when we consider the Holy Spirit that it's not the power we're after, it's the person of God. Gregan had uh, an experience a few weeks ago where she was just desperately seeking the Lord um, and just a real sense of joy came upon her. And she was just, this is amazing. This is just the joy of the Lord with me um, just and really just so content in Him. And so... As we do, she's like, ah, I've got the recipe. I know how to continue to have this joy. And so she began to repeat exactly what she'd done the week before and to, to chase after this joy. And she says it was one of the deadest weeks of her relationship with the Lord. And she was processing this and pondering this, going like, what is going on? Until we had a, a life group meeting and we were discussing this and considering it. And someone brought up the very point that perhaps it's because you've begun to seek the joy and not the person who brings that joy. And so for the next week, Greg committed herself to not worry about the joy, but to actually pursue the person of Christ and whatever may come, may come. And again, just experience that incredible joy and just such a practical reminder of this very thing that the scripture talks about, that we're, we're after the person of God, because with him comes whatever we need. He, sadly enough, knows us even better than we know ourselves. Yes. And so we go to him asking him for certain things, but he's actually going there are other things which you need right now, which I know better than you even do. And so what we want is not to go to the doctor and tell him what we need. We want to go to the doctor and say, I'm ill, help me. And he will prescribe what we need. And so it's so important for us to remember that we don't seek the power, we seek the person of God. And so while last week was uh, the build up to Pentecost, that moment when 
Jesus ascends into heaven and says to his disciples, just hang around a bit. You're going to receive power from on high, uh, but don't leave Jerusalem until you receive this power. Uh, we, we see in the very same scenario, we see Jesus saying the same thing. He says, after his suffering, he presented himself alive to them by many convincing proofs, himself appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. While staying with them, he ordered them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait there for the promise of the Father. This, he said, is what you have heard from me. For John, the Baptist, baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, is this the time when you will restore the kingdom of Israel? And he replied, it's not for you to know the times or the periods that the Father has said by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And so when will you receive the power, says Jesus, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And so it's the presence of the Holy Spirit we're after because with him comes the power. We're not chasing after the power, we're chasing after the Spirit because God's power goes where he goes, yes? He's not separated from his power. So when, when the wife's trying to open that jar of jam, she doesn't say, husband, just pass your power over so I can open this jar. She gives you the jar. Because with you is the power, that, that amazing power to open jars that cannot be opened. Which for some reason is anointing. Only men are given. No, not really. But the power is with the person. And so what Jesus is saying is don't seek after the power. Seek after the Holy Spirit. Because with him comes that power. But then this amazing day of Pentecost actually arrives. And this is a chunky portion of scripture, but I want you to listen to it. So just kind of imagine yourself in that moment. It's one we've probably heard a thousand times and probably going to hear a thousand times more, but just such a beautiful uh, example and such a beautiful testimony of, of what happened on that day of Pentecost. So Acts 2. When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place, just like we are. Suddenly from heaven, there came a sound like the rush of a violent wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. Divided tongues as a fire appeared among them, and a tongue rested on each of them. And all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages, as the Spirit gave them ability. Now there were devout Jews from every nation under heaven living in Jerusalem. And at the sound, the crowd gathered and was bewildered, because each one heard them speaking in the native language of each. Imagine, I would be able to speak Afrikaans. How amazing would that be? <laughs> no, this is what was spoken through the prophet Joel. In the last days it will be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions. Your old men shall dream dreams. Even upon my slaves, both men and women in those days, I will pour out my spirit and they shall prophesy. And I will show portents or signs in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and smoky mist. The sun shall be turned to darkness, the moon to blood, before the coming of the Lord's great and glorious day. Then everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. You that are Israelites, listen to what I have to say. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested to you by God with deeds of power, wonders and signs that God did through him among you, as you yourselves know. This man handed over to you according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God, you crucified and killed by the hands of those outside the law. But God raised him up, having freed him from death, because it was impossible for him to be held in its power. For David says concerning him, I saw the Lord always before me, for he is at my right hand, so that I will not be shaken. 
Therefore my heart was glad and my tongue rejoiced. Moreover, my flesh will live in hope. For you will not abandon my soul to Hades or let your Holy One experience corruption. You have made known to me the ways of life. You will make me full of gladness with what? With your presence. Fellow Israelites, I may say to you confidently of our ancestor David, that he both died and was buried and his tomb is with us to this day. Since he was a prophet, he knew that God had sworn with an oath to him that he would put one of his descendants on the throne. Foreseeing this, David spoke of the resurrection of the Messiah, saying he was not abandoned to Hades, nor did his flesh experience corruption. This Jesus God raised up, and of all of uh, and all that, and of that, all of us are witnesses. Being therefore exalted at the right hand of God, and having received from the Father what the promise of the Holy Spirit, He has poured out this that you both see and hear. For David did not ascend into the heavens, but he himself says, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. Therefore, let the entire house of Israel know with certainty that God has made him both Lord and Messiah, this Jesus, whom you crucified. Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and to the other apostles, Brothers, what should we do? And Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, so that your sins may be forgiven, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you, for your children, and for all who are far away, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to him. And he testified with many other arguments and exhorted them, saying, Save yourselves from this corrupt generation. So those who welcomed his message were baptized, and that day about 3,000 persons were added. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings and fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers, and all came upon everyone, because many wonders and signs were being done by the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. They would sell their possessions and goods and distribute the proceeds to all as any had need. Day by day, as they spent much time together in the temple, they broke bread at home and ate their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having the goodwill of all the people. And day by day, the Lord added to their number those who were being saved. Did you wish you were at that moment? Eh? Just an incredible moment in God's history where he poured out his spirit for the first time in a way that was to be received by all of mankind, the fulfillment of Joel's prophecy. And so while there, we could be unpacking that thing for the next month. What I want to pull out of this is that very same aim that I mentioned at the beginning, which is to build a desire in us to build the desire, but then also to ignite an expectation for the Holy Spirit to still be poured out. You can't read that scripture and just think, oh, we're supposed to just follow the Lord by attending Sunday meetings and just being religious people. No ways. I mean, look at that life. People are just in awe. People are doing crazy things by the power of the Spirit. And he says the promises for you and your children and your children's children. Even to the slaves, I'll pour myself out. And so what do we do to build that desire and ignite that expectation? We seek the person. We seek the person of Jesus. For David says concerning him, I saw the Lord always before me, for he is at my right hand. You have made known to me the ways of life. You will make me full of gladness. With what? With your presence. For the promises for you, for your children, and for all who are far away, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to him, to his person, to the presence of of God. It's, it's the same as that 1 John 1, remember, where he's, he's just so excited to share that fellowship and, and saying that as I proclaim this truth about this Jesus who we've seen and we've touched and we've heard, 
and keeps on repeating himself, saying to them, and we have fellowship with him. And so when we fellowship, you have fellowship with God. Just adamant to encourage the saints that this living Jesus wants to have a living relationship with his saints. And now as the Holy Spirit is poured out, we see that thing working itself out in powerful and miraculous ways that no one can deny. No one can just say, oh, the presence of the Lord is here. I just received that by faith. No, it's the presence of the Lord. They can't deny it. I'm speaking Afrikaans. I mean, seriously, the Lord must be here. And that is what must be happening. And so we seek the presence of Jesus firstly, but secondly, the presence and the power is promised. The presence and the power is promised. As the scripture has said, out of the believer's heart shall flow rivers of living water. Now he said this about the spirit, which believers in him were to receive. For as yet there was no spirit because Jesus was not yet glorified. While staying with them, he ordered them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the father. For the promise is for you, for your children, for all who are far, far away, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. And so it's a promise of the Father. So it's not just a promise, but the promise is linked to the Father. Why? Because when God promises something, it's a sure thing, yes? The next time a husband, a father, promises his children sweets, kids, you go to mom and say, mom, I'm expecting the promise of the father. I want that promise of the father. And mom's going to go, what are you talking about? The sweet. But his authority lies in what? Not in the fact that he's coming to ask for the sweet. His authority lies in the fact that dad promised it, which means this is a sure thing. And so the Holy Spirit is not just being said that the Holy Spirit has been promised to you. He's actually been given a noun, a name of the promise of the father. Sure. Which takes it beyond just the God has promised the Holy Spirit. He is the promise of the Father. How can we live a life not expecting God to fulfill His promise? The issue is not with God here. The issue is clearly not with God. But being more like the Greeks, I think, us, yes, we want to understand the wisdom of the Lord. And Okay, sure, but just explain the why to me. Sometimes for us, I think the why does help our faith. But we ask ourselves, why has God promised the Holy Spirit? And we see through these scriptures that the reason the Holy Spirit is promised to us is because we need the Spirit's power for both worship and witness. We are called to be worshipers of God, yes? Yeah, I mean. We cannot do that without the Spirit. Yeah. Jesus says, go, you will be my witnesses. But wait for the Holy Spirit. We can't worship or witness. Yeah. Without the Holy Spirit, Jesus says to the woman at the well, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when you will worship the Father, neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem, neither in the refinery nor, oh no, that's not in there. neither in the refinery nor on Sundays. Jesus is going, worship is not limited to the silly little moment. Yeah. He's saying it's far bigger than that. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know, the person. For salvation is from the Jews, but the hour is coming and is now here when true worshippers will worship the Father. Where? In spirit. We can't worship Him without the Spirit. In spirit and in truth, for the Father seeks such as these to worship Him. God is spirit. And those who worship Him must worship in spirit and in truth. We need the Spirit to truly worship God. It's spirit and truth. Who's known as the truth? Jesus. Spirit and Jesus. We can't worship God without the Spirit and Jesus. 
We can't just be these weird, wacky people who live by the Spirit, but we don't obey the Scriptures. We don't, we don't understand the, the, the death and resurrection of Jesus. We're just these spiritual people. No, true worshipers worship by the power of the Spirit, but understanding the full life of the truth of Jesus and what that means for us. It only happens when we live by the same Spirit that Jesus lived by. You know, He lived by the same Holy Spirit. That's what caused him to live a life of obedience that was pleasing to God. Yeah. It wasn't because he obeyed the laws. It's because he lived by the Spirit, the same Spirit that raised him from the dead. And without this Holy Spirit, we cannot worship God. We cannot live lives that are pleasing to God. The same Spirit, which is now the person of God that we get to experience. Because where's Jesus? He's not with us. He's where? Sitting at the right hand of the Father. Yes? waiting for all of his enemies to be placed under his feet. For all the martyrs who are standing by his throne going, God, when are you going to wreak vengeance on our blood? And he's saying, just wait. The time is not now. But for us, the presence of God is in the form of the Holy Spirit, without which we cannot truly worship God. Spurgeon, I mean, what's a preach without a Spurgeon quote, right? Says, how absolutely necessary is the presence and power of the Holy Spirit? It is not possible for us to promote the glory of God worship or to bless the souls of men witness unless the Holy Spirit shall be in us and with us. It's impossible. We just cannot do what we're designed to do without the Holy Spirit's presence. To worship and to witness. And so the crowd gathers on Pentecost. Yes, to excitement. They've been seeking the Lord out for the last 10 days. And just, I think the more they're meeting, the more excited they're getting. Like, the days are nearing. When's he going to do this? And they gather together. And then come these tongues of fire. And the Holy Spirit just moves powerfully. What do these people do? They don't just stand around and awesome all of these wonderful spiritual tricks. No, what does Peter do? Stands up, preaches the gospel. Yeah. It's the Spirit and... The truth. We can't have the power of the Spirit. Well, not we can't, but why have the power of the Spirit? Just operating in a meeting as we're gathered together without the preaching of Jesus. Yeah. We don't fully then worship God because we're not worshiping Spirit and in truth. But the opportunity arises for Jesus to be preached. It's worship and witness. Witness and worship, they're inseparable. Absolutely inseparable. The Holy Spirit and Jesus, inseparable. We serve one God, yes? Three persons. It's very complicated. But it's one God. Jesus and the Holy Spirit are inseparable. What does it mean to worship? What does it mean to live a life of worship? Surely it means, at least for a starting point, to live a life in awe of God. Isn't that just like our immediate understanding of worship? It's just, God, you are so incredible. And it's by the Holy Spirit that we truly get to recognize the character of God. That we see Him in all His glory and all His fullness and live a life in sense of awe. But it also means to live a life according to the will of God. That's a life of worship. What does it mean? It means no longer do I make life decisions based on what I want. No longer do I move jobs. No longer do I marry people. No longer do I do anything outside of the will of God. God, if this is your will, as James puts it. God, I'm seeking to live my life for your glory and for your worship. Does this please you? Is what I'm about to do going to please you? Do you not think we need the Holy Spirit to live like that? (laughs) Every morning something draws our attention away from God. Every single morning. If I do not have the Holy Spirit empowering me to live a life 
for the will of God. I'm going to live according to my own will. There's just no two ways about it. It means to live the obedient life, to live the holy life. That's a life of worship to God. And I don't know about you, but to live a holy life requires the empowering of the Holy Spirit. Just everything inside of me doesn't want to live the holy life. I want to live every other kind of life. But the holy life, one that's worship to God, requires the Holy Spirit and a life of love. Surely to live a worshipful life to God is to live a life of love, to love God and to love others. To love the guy who's just chopped your brother's head off in northern Mozambique. You think God's going, it's okay, actually, you don't need to love that person. No. Jesus says to his disciples, you love that person, and not only that, you pray for them. Suddenly, outside of our little comfortable worlds, that suddenly has a lot more weight, right? Yeah. You cannot love a guy who's just chopped your brother's head off. Unless the Holy Spirit empowers you to do that. It's impossible. So what Jesus is saying, to live a life that's true worship to God, you cannot do it without the Holy Spirit. It's impossible. And so what he's saying is that the Christian life is not just, oh, let me put my hand up and respond to the preacher. That's not it. It's laying your life down and being filled with the Holy Spirit to live a life of worship that's pleasing to God. But then to worship, what does that mean? It's surely to, to witness. What does that mean? Surely it means to tell others about our fellowship with God. Otherwise, what else are we, are we witnessing about? That's what John's letter is all about. I'm telling you about this person that we've hung out with. Someone who's so real to me. I'm not telling you all the laws and regulations that you need to live by. No, let me tell you about Jesus. That's the witness that he's talking about. To tell of the sonship and the daughtership which you experience with God. And I use the word experience purposefully. Has this, could you say this of yourself? That for all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. For you did not receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you've received a spirit of adoption. When we cry, Abba, Father, Daddy, Father, is it, that very, it is that very Spirit bearing witness to our spirit that we are children of God. Yeah. And if children, then heirs. Heirs of God. What do, we, what do we inherit? Surely the promise of the Father. And joint heirs with Christ. If, in fact... We suffer with him. So, oh, we don't want to read that part. Should we just stop a little bit earlier? No. <laughs> if in fact we suffer with him, so that we may also be glorified with him. Can that be said of you that you've experienced the understanding of your sonship or daughtership with God? That the spirit inside of you testifies with your spirit that you're sons and daughters of God? Or was this just a, hey man, I responded a few years ago. Kif, I'm just walking out this I'm just going to church, attending a life group on the super holy one. Thursday morning prayer meeting. Was there a sense inside of you that you're a son and a daughter of God? Because when that truly takes place, how can you not but tell people about your father? How can you not, as you experience him in your day-to-day -day living, witness about him? I think for, I don't know about you, but for me, witness and evangelism, it becomes this, oh, this kind of program we need to get about. And surely there's some people who don't know Jesus and I need to go tell them about him. But it's like cold calling. I'm not really good at sales. So like, ah, oh. no. I think what Jesus is saying is when you know you're a son or a daughter of God, you're experiencing that fellowship with God. How do you not tell others about him? Your witness is to one of witnessing what you've witnessed, which is the person of Jesus. The power of the Holy Spirit at work in your life. Which then takes witnessing off of a program and makes it a part of your worshipful life. Sure. Both worship and witness, inseparable. 
Once we've worshipped the Lord here together and walk away enthused and full of the Spirit, we go and witness and tell other people about this amazing moment we've had with the Lord and with His people. It stops us being, well, I'm not an evangelist. No, I don't care if you're an evangelist. You're not called to be an evangelist. Few of us are. But we're all called to be witnesses. Yeah. To tell of Jesus. And then some of us are particularly gifted to make those cold call phone calls. And that's fine. They need to do that. That's the way the Lord has designed them. But we're all called to be witnesses. And we can only witness the one who we know. And so a few notes. We ask for the pouring of the Holy Spirit, but He is given. We don't take the Holy Spirit from God. He is given to us. But Jesus says, for those who are thirsty, come to me and ask. But we're still at the mercy of the sovereign God giving, yes? Yes. We're not bending His arm. He's, when it comes to jaw opening, He's the best. Yeah. <laughs> we're not twisting His arm to get nothing done. But we are being obedient and going to Him and asking. We're thirsty for your Spirit. Pour out your Spirit. Also, He is given to those who are thirsty and desirous. He says, those who are thirsty come to me. Not like if you have got nothing else to do and like if you finish with your meeting over there, come to me. He's like, those who are thirsty, come to me. And how does that thirst, how is that thirst built up in us? Surely it's fed by those four early church devotions, yes? Yeah. Apostles teaching, fellowship, hanging out like this. I love it. When we gather together, even our life group, I walk away from life group, just more angry for more of God. Yeah. The breaking of bread. We broke bread last night as a family. And it's just that centering and focusing on Christ. Should it makes you hungry for more of Him. And then prayer, I think, is a no-brainer for me. Just as we gather together in prayer, it builds this thirst for more of God. He's weird, God, in this sense. He feeds you, but then makes you more hungry. He satisfies you, but then makes you more thirsty. It's this kind of, ah, oh, once you've tasted of it, you want more. It's like Coke. It's like cocaine that they put in there. It's like you've had some. It's supposed to be quenching my thirst, which it is, but I'm, I want more. It's, it's weird. And God is similar, not like Coke, but He's similar. <laughs> but also the Holy Spirit is given based upon the accomplishments of Christ, not yours. The Holy Spirit is given based upon the accomplishments of Christ. He was given all authority in heaven and on earth. He said, I cannot give you the Holy Spirit until I've been glorified. Until God's gone, my son, I'm so well pleased with you. All authority in heaven and earth is yours now. All authority, even the power to give the Holy Spirit has been given to you. Then he dispenses the Holy Spirit to those whom he wills. That's right. It's not coming to him and asking, Holy Spirit, Jesus, would you pour out your Holy Spirit? And based upon my level of faith, it's got nothing to do with your level of faith. It's got to do with the open hand of Jesus, not just willing, which he does. But remember, he also says, don't worry about God's timing. It's not for you to know. Yeah. But ask and then wait. And so some of these incredible people who move powerfully for God. Think of Smith Wigglesworth. Yes, those who know of him. Incredible man of faith, raised people from the dead, healed people. He even did that before he had a visible anointing or baptism in the Holy Spirit. Why? Because it was a gift given to him by God to be able to heal people and to raise them from the sick. But one thing he was, is was shocking at preaching. He was really rubbish at preaching. His wife used to preach because he was so bad at preaching. <laughs> but he prayed for the anointing of the Holy Spirit. And only when he was 48, he had this moment where God released the Holy Spirit upon him. So he runs off to his wife and says, 
I've been baptized. I've been baptized. And she's like, sure, sure thing. He's like, no, really? Something's happened to me. She's like, okay, cool. If you've been baptized, then you preach. So he's like, okay, then. Opens his mouth. Still the same rubbish preacher. But the power which came from him absolutely transformed his hearers. And his wife gave testimony to the fact that something in this man has changed. And so we can still operate in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Why? Because he gives to all of his body. So if you're part of the body of Christ, you've been given a spiritual gift. But what Jesus is talking about here is this outpouring of power that you can be his witness. And that we can worship him in the fullness of what he's designed for us. And that's based upon his accomplishments, not on your level of faith. Your level of faith comes and is proven by you actually asking him for it. That's all you have to do. All of our acts of faith are done just as we speak to God. We turn our eyes to him. That's our level of faith. And he says, even the smallest one. So even if you ask with great doubt, because you're asking and coming to him, the promise is fulfilled. But in his timing, and that's the part we don't like, right? Impatient ones. We don't like that. We love all the other gifts of the Holy the fruits of the Holy Spirit, but that patience one, able. Everything else. And so when the Holy Spirit is given, he's given with purpose. And that purpose is to worship and to witness. And so even as we gather like this, some of us might have the opinion, well, why would God want to pour his Holy Spirit out here? Because we're not witnessing to those around. Well, what if he wants us to worship him? Because that is one of the reasons for his outpouring of his Spirit. And when we worship him, we're built up in faith. And then when we do leave and part from this place, we go and worship and witness at the same time. Because we tell others about this incredible experience we've had with the Lord and with his people. And so I'm convinced that every time we gather, we should come with a great desire and expectation for the presence of God, for the Holy Spirit to move amongst us. And he moves in a multitude of ways. So that, that I think over the next few weeks we can unpack. But the Holy Spirit moves all the way from miraculous speaking in tongues and raising of the dead and healing all the way down to revelation of the truth of Scripture. All of that is done by the Holy Spirit. Anything I've spoken now of the Scriptures and you've gone, ah, even if it's a semi-light bulb that's come on, that's the work of the Holy Spirit. I am unable to open your hearts and your eyes to the truth of the gospel. I can only present it and proclaim it. That's all I can do. But the Holy Spirit opens the truth to you. And so that's evidence of the work of the Holy Spirit. So if anyone's even had a half thought of amen, the Holy Spirit's been at work yet today. Already. So can we expect him for more? I'm sure we can. And so what we're going to do now is we're going to both worship and witness to the goodness of God. In the sense that as Jesus has been building his church, we want to worship him and we want to give witness to the fact that the Holy Spirit has been at work. And we're doing that by celebrating a number of us who are wanting to join this local body and say, this is the local church in which I want to work out my worship and witness of Jesus. That's all that we're doing. Being a part of Liberty as a local church doesn't mean you're stuck in this fold and you cannot whatever, whatever. I mean, Philip and Charmian are evidence of some weird uh, collaboration that's going on with the Anglican church, but it's, it's one church under the Lord. Yes? Yeah. But coming to be part of this fellowship is to say, amongst these followers, I want to work out my worship. I want to work out my witness of the Lord. So can I ask Rick and Leah, Hannes and Aini, Yerusha, Robin, Mel, and Shane to please come join me up front quickly. I'm just going to show you all their lovely faces, or half of them. <laughs> and then what we're going to do is Michiel's going to come up and lead us in singing, which can or cannot be worship. It's singing. 
But our singing can be worshipped to God. As there is singing about the, being empowered by the Holy Spirit. To sing about the goodness of the truth of Jesus Christ. And then after that, what I'm going to ask is for all of these people to go and split around the park. And for their life groups to gather around them. And to spend some time praying for them. And I'm going to ask each of you to ask the Lord for the filling and empowering of the Holy Spirit. Because as you join this local body, we need you to need the Holy Spirit to work out your worship and witness amongst us as a community. And so these are the guys who have been walking a long road with us. Um, uh, we used to have a course called DNA, which was our new members course. But if you look at these people, they're all old furniture amongst our community. And so it's no longer a new members course. It's now just people who've been around long enough that they feel like either I better join or I'm going to get um, frowned upon. No, not really. Um, but it's people who've been around long enough and they know who we are. They know the workings of this church and what the Lord is currently doing here. And they're saying, actually, we want to work out our faith amongst these people. So these are the guys who are joining us and all of their families, of course. And so we're going to sing now. Thanks, guys. And each of you are going to spread around into your life groups around after, after the singing. And then I'm going to ask all the life groups to gather around them. But then also, if you're not part of their life group, please also feel free to go around them. And what we're going to do is be praying for them, trusting for them to ask for the Holy Spirit. But then I want you to prophesy over them. I want, as the Holy Spirit is moving amongst us, to use the Holy Spirit to bring about worship and witness. Yes? Yeah. Every one of you, God has gifted. How do I know that? Because the Bible told me so. Every one of you. And so anyone who's withholding their spiritual gift is denying this body something. And we want to see the fullness of God operate in this community. This isn't about the preacher. This isn't about the worship guy. This isn't about the right reverend being the superheroes in this church. This is about us all finding our space. How the Holy Spirit has gifted us. And when we're operating in unity all together, we see this church being built up. And so I want to implore you to desire and to expect the Holy Spirit to be poured upon you to operate amongst this body for building her. Can we do that? Yes? Does it take courage? Absolutely. Anyone who's spoken in tongues publicly, it takes great courage, does it not? For every one of us, do you think this is easy for me? No, it's not. Ask Philip, how many years you've been preaching? At least five. <laughs> every single time, but it never gets easier, does it? Just the weightiness of what God's expecting of his word. Because we're going to have to give account for every careless word we've spoken. It takes courage. And so I want to ask you to step up in courage as the Holy Spirit wants to use you to build up this body. God, I am so grateful for all that you have done in this body called liberty. I am so grateful for the promise of the Father, the Holy Spirit. Lord, you do not expect your people just to believe some age-old story about God. But you've given of yourself, the Holy Spirit, to us as living evidence as a living life, both to worship you, but also to witness about you, that more and more people could enter this place of worship of the one who alone deserves all of our praise and adoration. God, as we gather in fellowship as your people today, would you pour your spirit out? Would we, even as we're singing, have the courage to ask you to pour your spirit out, trusting and you have promised it. You are the one who will give it. But to have patience for your timing. It may very well be right now. But to have patience for your timing. For your timing is always, always, always perfect. And God, we give you glory for those who are committing their journeys into this local church. 
that God, this isn't about building the name of liberty. This is about them finding a space to work out their worship and witness of Jesus where you have placed them. And so God, would you anoint them? Would you empower them? Would you strengthen them? And as they cry out to you a little later, would your ear be turned to them to give of the promise of the Father? Lord, we raise our voices to you now. Though they may be out of key, may they bring pleasing sounds to your ears as you see what is going on in our hearts and our desire for you to worship you and to be witnesses of all your goodness even from before you created us all the way through until that great day when you return may our lives be worship and adoration to you we love you god and we lift high the name of jesus amen